Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Amen. Take your Bibles, please. Go to Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew chapter number 22. Thank you, Howard family. I am always blessed when special music is special. Amen. I have been on the platform before uh, in my church, other churches, and I thought somebody said, Pastor, that was special music, and I thought to myself, what was special about that? Amen. Uh, just laughing, make a joke, smile a little bit. I promise you it's not going to get any better once I start preaching. So uh, good to see uh, old familiar friends, uh, folks that we uh, served with here. We were so privileged uh, to serve here for three years. It um, in, in the course of life, it seems like it was longer than that. Um, we made so many special friends here, and uh, of course our boys were born here, and um, uh, just uh, our time here was precious. I love your pastor. You have a great pastor, and all God's people said, and uh, I hope you're behind him. Let me just tell you this. It's not an easy time to be a pastor. If there's ever an easy time, Pastor and I were talking about this. You know, uh, Brother Rome in the in the seventies and in eight, the sixties, seventies, and eighties, preaching was in season. And you know what? It's out of season now. You know how I can tell? Look around. Have a revival meeting in the seventies, packed out. You'd have a choir loft full. You'd have to set up chairs. Preaching's out of season, and I'll tell you, when you have to make decisions about how many people to have and whether we're going to wear masks or what or this, pray for your preacher. Amen. amen. Thank you for that one amen, Brother Tim. Amen. 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 Pray for your pastor. Love your pastor. Support your pastor. Such a big deal. Uh, I mean it. And I am so blessed. Oh, my goodness. Our people, oh, my goodness, they love me in spite of me, Brother Rome. It's really my wife and kids. They love my wife and kids, and I'm just part of the deal, amen. Uh, but, we, of course, our children were born here. My son Eric is 12 now, and uh, he is over my shoulder. And, Pastor, he is wearing my shoes. I wear a size 12. He's already wearing size 12. I said, after this kid, you're on your own. Buy your own stuff. My son Luke is 10. And my daughter, Katia Rose, is six, and uh, she's got me wrapped around her little finger, and uh, that's the way it's supposed to be, and uh, we are blessed. Uh, church, we just, uh, matter of fact, my uh, associate pastor's wife just texted me, said, we just got done with church. We start at 6.30 and uh, get done at 7.30, and so that, pastor, you said to be done, you told me, what, I'm blessed, because that church, that clock says 6.30, so he told me to be done about 10 after 8, no problem, amen, so... <laughs> Amen. Would you stand with me as we read the Word of God, Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew chapter 22. We're going to read a very familiar portion of Scripture. And uh, as we start off this revival meeting, uh, first message tonight, uh, I, I just seem like such an appropriate message. I, I, the title of it is, Let's Start with the Heart. Amen. Now let's start with the heart. Amen. You know, let's get to the heart of the matter. Amen. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And uh, so we're going to look at that, verses 34 through 40, a short passage of Scripture. Follow along with me, if you would, there. It says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the wonderful congregational singing, the sweet spirit that we felt in this place tonight. Thank you for the special music. And Lord, uh, we ask now that you would quiet our hearts. Lord, would you minimize the distractions now? And Lord, we pray that you would work. We pray, first of all, if there's one here tonight that knows you not as their own personal Savior, that, Lord, they would put aside all the facades, you would break through all the walls, 
And Lord, give them the faith to trust you tonight. If there are those that need to make changes in their life, Lord, that perhaps some hard examination reveals some, some defects, Lord, that they would do business with you tonight. And Lord, that this, this night, this service would spark a flame in this local congregation that wouldn't be put out, Lord. We love you. Thank you for all that you give in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. When the Bible speaks of the heart, it very rarely is referring to the muscle that pumps blood. I believe one time, Pastor, the Bible in 2 Samuel 18, 14, when Joab took three darts and thrust them through Absalom's heart. It actually refers to the muscle. But <clears throat> most times when you find the term heart in the Bible, it is what Webster's 1828 Dictionary calls the seat of understanding, the seat of the will, hence the secret purposes and intentions. If I could give you the Rich Zavodsky paraphrase, uh, it, it's the inner part of you, the ruling center of you, the, the spring of all desires, the, the part of you where you make your decision. We say, uh, Brother Rome, you say about your precious Anna, I loved her with all my heart. It wasn't the muscle that pumps the blood. It was the inside of you, the, the, the inner you, who you really are. I think about it, by the way, without Christ, when we think of the heart, the Bible says, uh, remember why God flooded the earth in Genesis chapter 6? Because the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. We know Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Jesus said uh, in Matthew 15 and 19, Out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, and so on. Listen, uh, Romans 4.12, talking about the Word of God, says the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And all God's people said... But then it also says, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Romans 6.17 tells us that we have obeyed from the heart. Romans 10.1, Paul said about his brethren of Israel, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire for you is that you would be saved. John 14.1, when Jesus was getting ready to leave, he told his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. He's not talking about the muscle that pumps blood. He's talking about that inner part of us. By the way, according to Acts 15.8, God knows our hearts. You know one of the reasons why, and I'll get into it in a little bit, you know one of the reasons why you ought to keep short accounts with God and confess sin is because God already knows your heart. He knows your heart. He knows our hearts. According to Romans 8.27, the Bible says, God which searcheth the hearts. God searches our hearts. He knows our hearts. He searches our hearts. According to Proverbs 17.3, 1 Thessalonians 2.4, God trieth or tests our hearts. Did he not test Abraham with Isaac? Up the mountain, amen. Listen, your heart is the real you. You know, you can fake it on the outside. How do you know, Pastor? Because I have. But your heart <clears throat> is who you really are. I, I heard somebody put it this way. They said, your reputation is what men think you are. Your character or your integrity is what God knows you are. And that springs from the heart. <clears throat> the heart. Pastor Schott, <clears throat> I believe he said it was Jerome who said it, but he was the first one I ever heard say it. <clears throat> he said, and has said it many, many times. Some of you could probably move your lips with mine when I start the quote. Uh, Pastor has said, <clears throat> Christianity is largely a love affair of the heart. I see Marge nodding and moving her lips with me. Amen. Christianity is largely a love affair of the heart. Very true. Very true. Amen. The Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, or 5.14 rather, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Why do you do what you do, pastor? Is it because you get a salary? Is it because... No, 
That's part of it for sure. That helps me to be able to do what I do. But long before I ever got a salary, I decided God was worth loving and worth serving. And we love Him because He first loved us, the Bible says. So, Christianity is largely a love affair of the heart. But I will say this. While our work should proceed from a deep and abiding and grateful love for God, while Christianity is largely a love affair of the heart, <clears throat> revival, and that's what we're in the business of this week. By the way, that is Father's business. Revival. What is, what is that? Getting closer to God. More holy. Huh? Putting away sin. Get, get it, listen, enjoying more of His presence than we enjoy the world. If Christianity is largely a love affair of the heart, and it is, revival is largely a maintaining of that loving heart. Revi Let me say that again. Revival is largely a maintaining of that loving heart. And listen, if we're going to have personal and church-wide and possibly beyond revival, we're going to have to perform some spiritual heart surgery in our lives or really allow God to perform some spiritual heart surgery in our life. So let's start with the heart. Let's look at our text. I want to give you just an introduction through the text, and then I want to give you a, a topical message about the heart. Look with me, if you would, at verse 34, and we find the frustrated crowd. We find the frustrated crowd, if you're keeping an introduction uh, notes here. Look at verse 34. When the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. What happened in this chapter? Well, three different times Jesus put a different group to silence. You remember the first group that came to him was the Herodians, verses 16 through 22. And Jesus silenced them regarding his relationship to government. And again, I know this is not a popular uh, subject. Uh, you want to trade governors? We'll be glad to trade with you in Michigan. Ours is uh, uh, about the gem that you have here as well. Amen. But listen, Jesus said when they came, he said, does thy master pay taxes? And they were trying to tempt him. They were trying to trick him. He said, bring me the coin. Let me see whose picture's on it. Listen, take, take, take the money out of your pocket. It's not Jesus' picture on it. It's Jefferson and Washington, and, and we, listen, it's part of our country, and I know I'm probably not win, winning friends and influencing people right now, but Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God. No conflict there. No conflict. And so he put them to silence concerning his relationship with, with government. Then along came the Sadducees. And by the way, you know what it says there? Look at verse 22. I love this. What it says there, after he said that to the Herodians, when they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Have you ever you heard something or, uh, I, you know, sometimes I've heard somebody sing and just, you know, just dumbstruck. That's the way they were. They just, they marveled. What an answer. And they moved on. And so then came along the next group. I figured they, they took a deli number here trying to tempt Jesus. Now serving number four, amen. And up came the Sadducees, who were the, the theological liberals of the day. They did not believe in the resurrection. Why is that important? Because they're asking him questions about the resurrection that they didn't believe in. Hmm? It's kind of like the story I heard about the atheist that was up there railing. He, he's giving this oratory and railing against God. And pastor, some old codger, some old farmer came out and he, he began to walk up on the stage and he walked right over there. And he's looking at it and the man's looking at him. He's still going. He's looking at him. And the man starts peeling an orange real slow. And of course now everybody's looking. He's peeling, he's peeling, he's peeling. He's just dropping it right there on the platform. And he begins to eat the orange looking at the guy. Eats the whole thing. And then he finally says to the man, he says, can I ask you a question? He said, yes, I was hoping you would. He said, that orange I just ate, was it sweet or tart? And the guy looked at him and said, how do I know? I didn't taste it. He said, that's right. You've been railing on my Lord for 45 minutes, and you've never tasted. That's the way the Sadducees were. They, what do you care about the resurrection? You don't even believe in it. And what happened? Jesus put them to silence. Verse 33. What's it say? 
And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. So <clears throat> finally, this last group comes up, the Pharisees. And we know a lot about the Pharisees. Next chapter, <clears throat> you can read a lot about what Jesus thought about the Pharisees. But this frustrated crowd, they, in verse 34, they said, huddle up, huddle up, boys. He's put everybody else to silence here. So then <clears throat> we come with not only the frustrated crowd, we have their, their facetious concern. What is that? What's their facetious concern? Well, they come in verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question. Here's how I know it was facetious. They were tempting him. That means they were not interested in the answer. Amen? Master, which is the great commandment in the law? You can hear, like, you know, every time, I, every time I think of the Pharisees in the Bible, I just think of somebody with their nose up in the air, you know, just walking by people, just their nose is up in the air because they can't even look down at the people they're looking down at. Just... So you see the facetious concern. You see the frustrated crowd. You see the fantastic command in verse 37. That's really the focus of our message. When he said, what's the great commandment of the law? Jesus didn't hesitate. He didn't say, ooh, let me think about that. He said, this is it. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, with all thy mind. And then he says this, you have the, the fantastic command. Then we, have it, we know it to be the first commandment. He says rare, there in verse 38, this is the first and great commandment. For the first time last year, Pastor, if you remember this or not, I preached on the Ten Commandments. I've been at the church for ten years, <clears throat> and I had never preached on the Ten Commandments before. And I started preaching, and Brother Butler, I preached 13 weeks on Ten Commandments. Try to figure that one out. I did. I was a mess. You know why? I preached on the Ten Commandments, and then I preached on John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I write unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. And then I preached on this text, <clears throat> the first and great commandment, and then the second is like unto it. And then he says this, not only is it the first commandment, but he gives us a follow-up charge, doesn't he? Verse 39, the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Do you know if you'll take those ten commandments that we venerate, that we revere, and divide them up, you will find that the first four commandments are man's responsibility to God. Thou shalt have no other gods. Thou shalt not make any graven images. Thou shalt not use the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. That's the, if, if here's, here's what I mean by that. Here's what this text means. If you love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, you will not break those first four commandments. But the second is like unto it, if thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you love your neighbors yourself, you're not going to kill them. You're not going to steal from them. Not going to covet his goods. Not going to commit adultery. Amen? <clears throat> That's what it means there in verse 40 when it says, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If we would just <clears throat> love God with all our heart and love our neighbor as ourselves, we would keep those commandments. Now, man has never done that yet. Thus Jesus came. But revival. Verse 37. Look at it with me. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Let's start with the heart. Let's start with the heart. I'm going to give you seven points tonight about a heart that's ready for revival. Number one, go with me to the book of Ezekiel. And we'll jump around our Bibles a little bit. That's all right here in Connecticut, right? You guys still use the Bible here in, in this church? Amen. I love the kid with pastor about that. Amen. 
Ezekiel's in the Old Testament, Brother Rome, if you're looking in the wrong place there, amen. Just, just checking, amen. <laughs> so, by the way, if you don't know where Ezekiel is, that's all right. If you're new to church, and uh, uh, I remember the first time my pastor ever said, turn the book of Habakkuk. I said, what's a Habakkuk? I don't even know what that is, amen. I had to start looking in the index and find out where it was and had no idea where the book of Habakkuk was. Ezekiel 36, hey, if we're going to start with the heart, if we're talking about revival, first of all, it starts with a new heart. A new heart. Look at verse number 26, please, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. Ezekiel 36, 26. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, look on with your neighbor, amen. It says here, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. I believe that you can take this passage, Pastor, and apply it to John chapter 3 where uh, Jesus came to Nicodemus and Nicodemus uh, began to ask Jesus questions and Jesus said to him, Ye must be born again. And Nicodemus, of course, not understanding what Jesus was saying. And by the way, don't be so hard on Nicodemus. Many times we read the Bible and we don't understand what God is saying. But he says, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter in the second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus contrasted that natural birth by water. When your water breaks, amen. Boy, I remember, boy, I remember, my goodness, we were right up here, uh, back there, staying there when, when uh, my wife was pregnant with Eric, and she was out to here, and uh, we were married 12 years before we had any kids, and uh, along came Eric, and she's up there 36 hours, early stage labor, and uh, we were at, we went to the hospital, and they told her that, you know, uh, that she hadn't dilated or anything like that, and she began walking down the hallway, Pastor, and all of a sudden, her water broke right there in the hallway so I got a mop no I didn't either I just <laughs> yes said uh, clean up aisle five amen clean up aisle five and her water listen that we know what we know why her water broke because she was naturally about to give birth listen I and and I know brother Rome does too but and many of us in New England come from the Church of Rome that teaches that that is baptism. That is not baptism. He's contrasting the natural birth, being born of water, versus being born of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you something. When you get born again, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become a new creature with a new heart. Amen. New creature with a new... And, and listen, uh, uh, please... I don't mean that everything changes overnight. I'm glad, I'm glad, Brother Neil, that the Holy Spirit is gracious with us and, and He's kind and patient with us. Amen. But I'm going to tell you this, and I, I've told this story in my church uh, recently. I remember when I first got saved. I got a picture. You want to see it? I'll be glad to show it to you after church. I've got a picture of Brother Rome today. I, I, I preached this year in February. It's my uh, 25th anniversary of getting saved. And just when I got saved when I was 23 years old, and my hair was down to here. I was a drummer in a rock band, and I worked in a rock band on the weekends. And uh, so I, I literally remember. I, I remember, you know, here here we are. My buddy's band is playing here, and his. I was a drummer, and my friend was a drummer, and my job was to make sure nothing tipped over and, you know, take care of the... And so I'm behind this huge column speaker. It's this side, just blaring music out this way. There's another one on the other side. Here's the band, and I'm standing there, and it is just as loud as could be. It's a miracle I don't have hearing loss right now, just thinking about it. And everybody's out there dancing and drinking and doing all that stuff, and here I am. I've been saved probably two months now, and I hadn't, you know, got, obviously hadn't got my sanctification all set up yet. But I'm looking, and, and, and literally just as quietly, but as loudly as could be, the Holy Spirit said, you don't belong here. Amen. You know why that is? New heart. New heart. Listen, if you've never been born again, you can't have revival. You can't have revival. You can't have it. Why? Because you're lost. You need a new heart. You can't have, you can't have a revival without a new heart. Got to have a new heart. New desires, amen. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. That's impossible without a new heart. Starts with a new heart, number one. 
Psalm chapter 51. Take a left turn at Ezekiel there. Go past Jeremiah, Isaiah, Proverbs, and you'll see Psalms. Big book of Psalms. Amen. Go to Psalm 51. Starts with a new heart. Let's start with the heart. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you need to be saved. You need, listen, you need to trust Christ. How do I do that? You have to understand you're a sinner. You have to understand that sin has a penalty. You have to understand that Jesus died for you. And you have to turn to Him and ask Him to be your Savior. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Amen. He'll do it. He did it for me. He did it for countless people in this room. And all God's people said, it starts there with a new heart. Number two. Not only a new heart, if we're going to start with the heart, if we're going to have revival this week and beyond. Psalm chapter 51, verse 12. Oh, what a chapter this is when David confesses his sin to God after committing adultery with Bathsheba and murdering Uriah. He says there in verse, I'm sorry, verse 10, Create in me a, what kind of heart? Clean heart. You know what? You need not only a new heart, but you need a clean heart. What's a clean heart? A clean heart is one where we don't let sin go unconfessed for very long. Listen, we all sin. See, the thing about somebody that's lost, if you're here and you're lost tonight, you can only sin. Somebody that's born again has the liberty not to sin. But we still do sin. I remember when Jesus, uh, in John chapter 13, He talked to His disciples and He was washing their feet and He said, you're clean all the way, but as you walk through this world, your feet get dirty. It's a great picture of our walk. As we walk in this world, sometimes we get the dirt and filth of the world on us. And you know what we need to do? We need to go to God. The Bible says in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you got a stubborn habit. Maybe you got a stubborn habit. I mean, I think of just, just ones that people struggle with. I think, I, you know, pastor, smoking is just one of those ones. That, and again, I've never struggled with that. I had two parents that smoked like chimneys. The last thing I wanted to ever do was smoke a cigarette. I smelled like cigarettes all the time. I didn't want that. But listen, i got stubborn habits too. You go to God and you say, God, you know, you're trying to quit smoking and you're, you're going to the Lord and you're saying, Lord, please help me. Give me strength. I, I don't want to smoke. I know it's wrong. I know it's polluting the temple of God. And you, you, you maybe uh, you have a cigarette in the morning. Oh, Lord, please forgive me of that. And, and then you have another one in the afternoon. So please forgive me of that. And, and you say, Lord, forgive me. This is the second time I've confessed this sin to you. You know what God says? If you really mean business with him, it's the first time. Because He is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is, that means every time, every time. Every, now listen, there's some repentance that's hollow. Oh Lord, forgive me of this uh, rotten TV program that I'm about to watch. That's not repentance. Huh? I'm talking about when you seriously go to God and you, you say, God, I want to have a clean heart before you. Listen, we have, and, and again, I, I'm getting a little theological here, but we have as much of the Holy Spirit as we'll ever have. When you get saved, you get all the Holy Spirit. The question is, does He have all of you? If you have a dirty heart... A heart that's filled with sin and filth. He doesn't have all of you. If you're going to have revival, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to do a little spirit. You're going to have, listen, you're going to have to clean out the world's plaque out of your heart and arteries. Huh? You're going to have to go in there with a clean out. So a new heart, a clean heart. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. Boy, this one is important. So take a right turn there at Psalms. Next book over is Proverbs. A new heart. You must be born again. A clean heart. Proverbs chapter 4, please. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse number 23. Look at it with me. Proverbs 4, 23. We there? Say amen. Amen. <clears throat> 
That's how I keep you awake. Amen? Just go through, get your Bibles. Keep thy what? Heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You know what this is? A guarded heart. If you're going to have revival, you're going to have to have a guarded heart. It means you're going to have to guard your heart from some influences, from some things that can hinder you from having personal revival. I found out, I've had so many people say, Pastor, you look great, goodness, you you know, boy, you took off some weight and, and all that. And, and I've, been, I've been enjoying being a little bit lighter. Uh, you know, my suits, all my pants are, you know, I got to make sure I got a belt and suspenders just so they'll stay up. And I really have lost, by the time, when I left here in 2009, I think it was about 260 pounds, which is a little heavy for me. I'm about 220 right now. And, uh, but I found out why on Friday. I'd gone to the doctor, and, and uh, he did some blood work, and he, he came back. He said, well, I got good news and bad news. I, I hate hearing that from the doctor. Why can't you just have good news? So like a preacher, amen? I got good news and bad news. Jesus loves you, but you're a sinner, amen? You know, good news and bad. I said, go ahead, hit me, doc. I, I'll give it to me straight. He said, you have been a diabetic for quite some time now and have not known. And when I began to think of what? I put in my body, again, not, not in massive amounts or anything like that, but, you know, a soda is 31 grams of sugar. It's a lot. You know, 31% of your sugar. It, you know, I think about, I love cookies and snacks and bread and all those things and that I, I've been passing by as pastor's been taking me. I'll have a salad, please, amen. Uh, pastor's been taking me out. Another salad, thank you very much. I take the big salad, amen. Of course, you put like a trough, Amen. Listen, my wife and I are already thinking about this. When, when, you know, when we get home, or the, I, I say this, the, the, my fridge at the office is not going to have soda in it. Huh? It's not going to have, I'm not going to have cookies in my office. I'm not going to have, I, listen, I have to guard myself. I, listen, I think about people who struggle with liquor. Don't have liquor in your fridge, Christian. I mean, it's out, to, to many of us have been saved a long time. It's a no-brainer. You've got to guard yourself. Hey, if you have a problem with the websites you visit, I've got an idea. Get off the web. Huh? That might be a good guardrail for you. Is everybody awake tonight? Amen. If you, these, we, we don't do this today. We, we just, we say, oh, you know, I just follow my heart. Your heart's going to lead you right off a spiritual cliff. Guard your heart. I want to tell my boys something again. I, I met my wife when I was uh, uh, 22, 23 years old. I had a high school sweetheart, and I thought we were going to get married, white picket fence, all that, amen. And uh, we broke up. We, we were together for two and a half years. Again, really thought we're heading towards marriage, all that. Didn't work out. I'm so glad it didn't. But I'm going to tell you something. When you give somebody your heart and they hurt you, it wounds for a long, long time. Somebody said, time heals all wounds, but there's always a scar. Guard your heart for God. You know one of the ways you can guard your heart for God? Listen, I'm preaching the choir tonight. Be in church when there's service. Be in church on Wednesday night. You're here. Lord, well, I'm not going to say Thursday and Friday because I know you'll be here. Sunday school, starting back up, amen, pastor? I know it's been tough. Boy, it's, I'll tell you what, you think it's been tough on you, tough on preachers. Well, I remember when we, we had all this incomplete information in Michigan. We said, look, we're just going gonna to shut it down. I'll do an online service with my staff, and we did drive-in service. I know some of you still have that out here. It's great, amen. Well, it's tough. You know why? Because the Bible commands us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We said, hey, we're going to meet in the parking lot, even if it's with our windows down. We had, we had nut, nutcases in our church. You have nutcases here? I'm sure you do. Amen. We had nutcases in our church. Pastor, they come in the parking lot. We said, I mean, this is, this is at the height of it, you know, when we didn't know what was going on, right? I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. 
we're coming to parking lot. I said, and we want everybody to have a space between each other. You know, not, not park right next to each other. Park a full space between each other. We had a nutcase in our, in, our, uh, in our congregation. They come, they put four gigantic pool noodles on top of their car so that no one would park near them. They said these are their social distancing. I mean, they come into the parking lot like this. I, it was, these people are nuts. Absolutely nuts. It's tough, amen. I read something, Brother Howard, the other day. It said 46% of evangelicals do not believe in the deity of Christ. You know why? No Sunday school. No Sunday night. No Wednesday night. When's the Bible taught? Sunday school. Sunday night. Wednesday night. I mean, it's preached, amen, on Sunday morning. As I say, one meal a week just ain't going to do it for the, for the Christian. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Put up some walls. Put up some spiritual walls. Guarded heart. Clean heart. New heart. Psalm. No, go to, let's go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. New Testament. Way back. Way back. 1 Timothy. A new heart. A clean heart. A guarded heart. Oh, I so hope this for my children. Brother Rome and Pastor and I were talking, and you know, at 23 years old, I got saved out of sin. Fact. Engaged in a lot of sin. Stuff I wish I could get out of my mind, Brother Rome. Still in there. The devil likes to throw it in front of me. One day. The Bible says God's going to wipe away all tears. And I believe when He does, He's going to wipe away all filthy memories too. Thank God for that day. But it's not today. But here's another kind of heart that we want to have. And we can have. Because we have the Holy Spirit. We can have, if we have a new heart, we can have a clean heart. Amen? Amen? Amen. If you have a clean heart, you have a guarded heart. Guard against some things. Guard against the world, the flesh, the devil. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, now the end of the commandment is charity, or love, out of a, what kind of heart? Pure heart. A pure heart. A pure heart. Jump over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, just probably a couple pages over. A pure heart. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Again, I think this goes right along with the guarding point here. Flee also youthful lusts. How did Joseph guard his heart? When Potiphar's wife tempted him, he said, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. What's it say in verse 22? Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a what? Pure heart. Listen, a pure heart with God is that, that heart that wants to obey Him. It's that heart that spends time in prayer with Him. Pure heart. It's that, it's that heart that does things out of pure motives. You know, Pastor, I, I know you have them here. We have them at our church. I love people who serve the Lord just because He's the Lord. No pat on the back. Don't need any prompting. Uh, I think about people, there's a man in our church named Brother Ken Curry. Brother Ken's the best. He just loves to serve the Lord. He, he just, he, he gets, we, we haven't had, we, haven't, we have a water bubbler. I don't know if you guys do, but we haven't had one since COVID, you know. Brother Ken's the kind of guy, like, he comes and he sees how many water bottles we got and how many we need, Brother Rome. And he just goes out and gets them and brings them back and exchanges them and all that. He, he's the kind of guy that... Hey, hey, pastor, could I, uh, could I wax that floor over there? And could I, could, you know, pastor, could, he just, you know, he's the guy that if there's a candy wrapper, he doesn't wait for the janitor to pick it up. Just a servant. I think of all the people in our church that serve God out of a pure heart. I'm so blessed to pastor. Just amazing people. Pure heart. Goes back to keeping it clean, right? 
can't have a pure heart if you have a dirty heart. Right? Talking about being, being pure in our thoughts and in our motives. And I know, listen, we live in a rotten, sensual, wicked world. So did Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God's got grace for you. Amen? New heart, clean heart, guarded heart, pure heart. 1 Samuel chapter 12. Back to the Old Testament. I usually don't bounce around like this. I, I usually try to uh, structure the points. I always say we make right turns, amen? We start in the, the Old Testament and work our way to the New, but this message just came together a little differently. 1 Samuel chapter 12. This is one I think a lot of us miss. I think this is one that hinders revival quite a bit in our own lives. New heart. Must be born again. Starts there. Clean heart. Guarded heart. Pure heart. Number four, a whole heart. Whole heart. Chapter 12, verse 24, please. Look at it. Only fear the Lord. Well, that's the beginning of wisdom, isn't it? Fear the Lord. And serve Him in truth with how much of your heart? All your heart. All your heart. Whole heart. You know what this is? This is what we call absolute surrender. God, you can have all of me. Paul said it a little differently in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service you know what the sacrifice was dead that's why the, the term living sacrifice is a bit of a conundrum to us the only purpose of a sacrifice was death death to self death to selfishness and alive to the savior we're in Bible college. Funny story. We had, Brother Rome, we had, I was in Bible college and we're taking the offering and we had a six-foot offering plate. It was, it was literally, it looked like, you know, one, one of the, the normal kind of small little offering plates, but it was this big. And we bring it out and we say, Pastor, we need a big offering tonight. We say, we need a big offering. And I remember one time, being used for an illustration and they put that offering plate down on the floor and the idea was just to step into the offering plate. I'm the offering. She hear about the man who got saved, gloriously saved. The pastor led him to, the, to Christ and not long after, a pastor approached him about baptism. He said, yes, sir, I'd like to be baptized. And he got in the tank and began to go through what baptism is and isn't. And the man's standing there. And the pastor noticed that the man had his wallet in his pants. And the pastor said, uh, uh, brother, brother John, you, your wallet is, is in your pants. You probably want to take that out. He said, oh, no, this needs to be baptized too. <laughs> you know, most people... Never make a full surrender to God because they think he's going to send them to Sri Lanka or Africa. I don't want to go there. You know, the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. God may just want you to stay here at Harvest Baptist Church and help your pastor to reach people in this area for the rest of your life. But you know what he wants? All your heart. You know what he said in the, the, the prayer that I've prayed most, Pastor, as a pastor, is for wisdom. James 1 5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. A double minded, double hearted, half hearted man is unstable in all his ways. See, the reason you can't get victory over sin is you won't give God all your heart. That's a tough pill to swallow. I've been there. I've been there. The reason why, listen, you can't seem to be faithful in areas of your life is because you've got a divided heart. 
And God wants your whole heart. And he's a gentleman. He's, God's a gentleman. He's not going to beat you over the head. I, I don't, listen, I don't believe in one stitch of irresistible grace, Pastor. I believe he gives us a choice. And by the way, is he worthy of all our heart? Did not he give us all of himself? Whole heart, pure heart, guarded heart, clean heart, new heart. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. You old timers probably know it without even going there. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy path. What's that? A trusting heart. A trusting heart. Brother Paul, I trust him more now than I did when I left here. Trust him more. Trusting heart. Just trusting him, knowing. But listen, it's hard to do that if you don't give him your whole heart. It's hard to do that if you don't have a clean heart. Because then you won't have a pure heart. You know what you got? Heart trouble. That's what you got. A trusting heart. It says, Lord, I trust you enough to read your word and do what it says. That's trust. Trust isn't just some magical feeling. Oh, I trust the Lord. No, I trust the Lord with His promises. It's not blind faith. <laughs> it's, it's not blind faith at all. It's faith in His Word that, as Joshua said, hey, not one word of the Lord hath failed which He hath promised. Amen. Trusting in His Word. Many of you know a couple of years back, we, uh, we lived in town in, in Jackson for, for uh, nine years. And it had a beautiful little home right there in town. And uh, our kids, of course, grew up there. And, you know, you make the notches on the walls and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was a great old home. It was built in 1895 and just a solid home. Pastor, you remember, been out there. Well, then... Uh, a couple in our church had passed away, one in 2014 and one in 2017, and their boys did not live in the area. And they came out uh, de dealing with a funeral, and I remember we were just talking about their dad's funeral, and I asked them, uh, their parents lived on a 161-acre farm, and uh, they, they farmed, had somebody farm it for them and, and whatnot. And I, I asked them just, just in passing, not thinking about it at all, really, I said, what are you guys going to do with the homestead? You know, it's a beautiful place your parents have out there. And they said, well, we're probably going to sell it. You know, just uh, we don't live out here. And, and uh, one of them said, would you be interested? And I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, 161 acres. Yeah, on a pastor's salary? Yeah, I'd really be interested. You want to give it to me for a dollar? You know, that'd be fine. Amen. I said, well, you know, here's the church budget. See there where it says pastor's salary? You tell me if I'm interested, you know. And uh, we just kind of left it at that. And they came back probably about six months later for another funeral of a family member. And uh, they said to us, they said, Miss Marge, they said, we don't think anything would make our parents happier in heaven if that's such a possibility than that for you and your family to live out there. And so what we've done is we've subdivided seven acres, pond, home, sun porch, 2,200 square feet, four bedrooms, three-car garage, 50 by 70 barn for $180,000. And I, I remember, as still, forgive me, your pastor knows what I'm about to say. On a pastor's salary, still might as well have been $580,000. We didn't have that kind of money. We said, God, if you want us to have it, we don't want to get our hopes up. It's just, listen, it's just things, just wood, and, and but what a wonderful place to raise our kids. But we said, we trust you, whatever you decide. And I, there's a, more to the story. I don't have time to tell it tonight. Maybe I'll tell it as the week goes on. But we live out on that seven-acre farm now, and it's unbelievable. The sunsets, some of you are on Facebook with us, you see the sunset poster. It's truly unbelievable. And I want to tell you where it all springs from, trusting God to keep his word. Give, and it shall be given unto you. And I'll, I'll talk more about that later this week. But a trusting heart, a trusting heart, trusting. God, I trust you. 
can't have revival without trusting God. Trusting heart. And then lastly, go to Luke chapter 24, and I'll give you some applications tonight. We'll have a, Lord willing, a time. I don't know, if, Pastor, if you're doing altar calls or not, or people just making an altar where they are, like giving a chance to respond to the Word of God tonight. Luke chapter 24. Let's start with the heart. We need a new heart if we're not saved. Amen? We need a clean heart if we are saved. Hey, we've got to clean out some cobwebs. We've got to clean out some stuff in there. Got to clean out some affections that shouldn't be there. A guarded heart. Guard our heart against influences. A pure heart. A whole heart. A trusting heart. Luke 24, verse 32. Here's the story of Jesus with the Emmaus disciples. And he leaves very abruptly. And they say to him, after he has talked to them and, and given them the word of God, they said, Did not, they said one to another, Did not our heart what? burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened unto us the scriptures you know what we need listen if we're going to have revival we need a burning heart a burning heart remember what jeremiah said i am done you know as far as we know you read your bible i think you find jeremiah had one convert in the book of jeremiah one that's not that many pastor Aren't you glad over the years of <clears throat> 35 years you've been the pastor, you had more than one convert? You know what Jeremiah said in chapter 20? I'm through. I'm not going to make mention of his name again. And then the next verse, you know what it said? It said, but his word was as a burning fire, and I could not forbear. Hey, listen, you know you know when you met a Christian that's on fire. And I, listen, I don't mean that everybody's bombastic. I, I always think of the story that uh, I heard a preacher tell. He talked about two people that got saved on the very same morning, Pastor. Two people came forward during the altar call, and uh, one guy was, was literally a bucket of tears. And, and the pastor, you know, went through uh, with him and said, you know, did you get saved? And I sure did, thank God, you know. And, and he went away, and, and the other man was very matter-of-fact, Brother Dayfield. He was just... You know, he said, did you trust Christ? He said, yes, I did. You know, very stern almost. The pastor said, three weeks later, the FBI couldn't find the crying guy. Twenty years later, the stern guy was still a part of that church, winning people to Christ, giving to missions, tithing, all that. So I'm not saying beyond your personality, but you know when somebody is, has a burning heart for God. And by the way, they don't always stand up here. Many times they're right out there. They're people that carry gospel tracts. They're, listen, they're people who giving matters to them. Helping missionaries get to the field matters to them. Why? Because that's their burning heart passion, is to serve the Lord Jesus. We need a burning heart. So, by application, let me ask you a question. Do you have a new heart? Have you been born again? How about your heart? Is it clean? Could it be cleaner? Hmm? How about guarding your heart? Have you been doing that or have you let your guard down a little bit? Or maybe, maybe doing some things that maybe you used to be against. Maybe, maybe seeing some things that you used to, oh, I'll never do that. Listen, why? It's because you let our guard down. How about your heart? Is it pure? That's a tough one. A lot of filth in this world. It gets in quick. How about whole heart? I mean, have you truly said, God, you can have all of my heart? All of my heart. How about a trusting heart? Are you trusting him? I'm not just talking about with your salvation. I'm talking about for your daily provision. I'm talking about for your needs to lead you, to guide you. How about a burning heart? I think when we first get saved, Pastor, I think having a burning heart is just, it's something that happens Naturally, supernaturally, I guess it would be. But you know, the tendency of a fire is to go out. How many of you have a wood stove, wood fireplace? Does it just keep itself going, or you got to maybe do a few things? Got to get the ashes out of there? Put fresh wood on there? <clears throat> you know what? You got to get the ashes out of your life? Put some fresh wood on every day? Huh? Heart. 
beware of spiritual heart trouble. What are we doing here? Detection. Just like when you go to the heart doctor. Detection. You don't want to have a clogged artery, Pastor. Amen? You want to have a clogged artery. You've got you to have detection. You've got to beware of a, of a weakened or a damaged or a cold heart. Then when you get detection, usually the doctor will give you a recommendation, won't he? You know what most heart doctors say? Proper diet. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You know why we have spiritual heart trouble? Bad diet. Bad diet. Bad diet here and bad diet here. Those gates. Recommendation. So we have an examination. Search me, O God. We have detection. We have recommendation. Proper diet. Hey, proper exercise. I went to see the diabetes doc- or the doctor about diabetes. He said, do you exercise? I said, I walk. I do. I walk. Hard. He said, good. Proper exercise. And Enoch walked with who? God. And Noah walked with God. How about how's your walk with God? Do you have a time in the Bible every day? Do you have prayer time every day? Did you used to do that? Get back to it. Proper exercise. Hey, I'm the spiritual heart doctor tonight. Proper diet, proper exercise, proper rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Rest, Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Hey, it's time to take that heart, maybe that's not quite as clean as it should be, and give it to Jesus. It's time to take that heart that's divided and say, Lord, you can have it all. It's, it's time to take that heart that's impure and say, Lord, please purify my heart. Again. It's time to take that heart that's cold and light a fire again and say, God, set my soul a fire. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this message, Lord, from your word. Oh, Lord, you know my heart. And Lord, it is certainly when you're not in control, it is deceitful, desperately wicked. Lord, I don't want you to just be resident in my life. I want you to be president. I don't want you, I don't want to call you Lord and say, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I command you. Lord, please, search our hearts. Reveal defects in our hearts tonight. You give us the privilege of self-examination, self-judgment. Please be with each one now. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. My brother, if you just go ahead and start playing softly. All to Jesus, I surrender. Have you done that? Hey, let me ask the first question. Have you been born again? Listen, don't dodge it. Don't duck it. God knows whether you have ever trusted Him as your Savior or not. And I'm going to tell you, eternity is a big gamble if you have never trusted Christ. And by the way, it's just like a Vegas gamble. You're going to lose. The house is going to win. He loves you. He proved it. He, he, he literally stands there with nail-pierced hands and said, all this I did for you to save you. Just trust me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and you'll have a new heart. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Christian, yeah, you've been born again. But you're hit and miss in some areas. What's the problem? Could be a lot of things. You know, when you go to the heart doctor, they don't always diagnose things right away. Could be a variety of things. Could be small things, could be big things. Could be that your heart's dirty. I say this many times, a dirty heart will produce a dirty mouth. 
Evil communications corrupt good manners. I've heard people talk one way in church and then get, on, get in the factory and become a whole different person. Why? Dirty heart. What about an impure heart? Divided heart. Does God have all your heart? Trusting. I find it's easy to trust Jesus with salvation and it's hard to trust Him with the daily cares of this life. Forgive me, I like to drive. My wife's a good driver, but I like to drive. Why? I'm a control freak. <laughs> I like to have the wheel. <clears throat> hard to give the wheel to Jesus, isn't it? How about that burning heart? Has it been a while since you had that burning heart? I mean, so you got up and the first thing you couldn't wait to do was to get up and read your Bible. Now, it's been a few days. It's been a week. Boy, I forgot about that. Oh, did I? Did I pray? Have I prayed today? Well, I'm about to eat this meal, so I guess I should. So let's get back to that burning heart. That's revival. Having that burning heart springs from a trusting heart, springs from a whole heart, springs from a pure heart, springs from a guarded heart, springs from a clean heart, springs from a new heart. Pastor.